Greetings to all of you in Jesus name. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to uh, be able to be back on VAM after a while. It's been a long time since I get to uh, be here to see your faces and to get to converse with you, uh, to chat with you. Um, I'd love to know if anybody remember what was the topic of our teaching, what was the topic of our learning from when we started the course earlier last year. Um, does anybody remember what we were learning? Discipleship. Yeah, discipleship. And uh, any any aspects of discipleship that, that you remember that uh, you would like to share before we start off today's teaching? Yeah, I, th I think that was the first teaching, right? How a disciple responds to sin. How a dis disciple is intentional to um, quickly repent, not to take a lot of his, you know, struggle all the way uh, to the end of his life, but to quickly repent. Because that's what Jesus told his disciples. Repent. Um, if you have to follow me, then, you know, you will have to repent and you'll have to believe that the kingdom of God is near. And uh, anything else, anything else that you remember that uh, we have learned till now on discipleship? I'll, I'll just quickly um, read out the titles of the last five teachings that we did on discipleship. The first one is a disciple's response to sin. The second was a disciple's ultimate pursuit how he prays, how he pursues God, how he, he, loves, he, he loves to abide in his master. Then we uh, spoke about a disciple's heart attitude. Uh, this was when we were studying from uh, the, you know, uh, five, the, the, the 10 Beatitudes that Jesus taught us from Matthew chapter 5. And then we also studied a disciple's true value. This is where we were talking about the disciple being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I don't know if you remember that, but that, that was a very important teaching. Um, then we studied a disciple's handling of treasure. That was the last one. How a disciple handles treasure. What is valuable for a disciple? Uh, what uh, the, the time, the fourth session was about what is the value of a disciple? Where does he find his significance and what is his true value? The next session was about his true treasure. What does he consider valuable? And where does he invest that treasure? Where does he sow that treasure into? All of these five teachings, it's available if you just search for my name on uh, Spotify or Apple uh, Podcast or Google Podcast, you will find all of these teachings there. You can go back and listen to it again. As a matter of fact, I'm recording the audio of this as well so that this will also go up. Uh, so if you have to go back and listen to it at a later point, it is always available. All you have to do is just search for VAM Session 1, Session 2, Session 3, and you would find all the teachings over there. Tonight, I want to go a little further 
and uh, I, I really hope that you would understand what I'm trying to teach you tonight. Uh, because if we have to be discipled, if we have to be disciples of Jesus, if we have to be disciples um, that are mature disciples, that are trained disciples, that understand and that value what God is trying to achieve, where God is trying to take us as a church, as a community, then we need to understand how to respond to teaching, how to respond to correction, how to respond to somebody telling us um, what to do and how to do certain things. So today's tonight's uh, teaching, I have titled it as a disciple's attitude to teaching. Um, uh, this this particular session, you know, I I, I really hope that you would uh, you would uh, take it fully and completely as something that is going to change your attitude, not just towards teaching, but also towards your teacher. All of us, we need a teacher in our life. We need that one person who is going to stand as a representative of God, as a representative of God's voice, God's heart over our life. And we need to value the teaching and the teacher with a, with a high regard, with, in, with, with a, in a high dimension. So I'm going to take you uh, right to the book of John, chapter uh, 20 and verse 16. The book of John, chapter 20 and verse 16. Can you read it with me if you can? It says, um, Mary, Jesus, Jesus is the one who is calling Mary. Jesus looked at Mary and Jesus said, Mary. So she quickly turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. This uh, gives us a glimpse to the identity that Jesus had with his disciples. The disciples didn't look at Jesus as a miracle worker. The disciples didn't look at Jesus as a great uh, Pharisee or a great scribe or the disciples didn't look at Jesus as the son of David. The disciples didn't look at Jesus as, you know, just as a Messiah. The disciples' relationship with Jesus was that he was their rabboni, or he was their teacher, or he was the one who was giving uh, them teaching on a consistent basis. Now, this is what sets a disciple apart from the crowd. See, the crowd, they come to Jesus because they want a, a miracle. They come to Jesus because they want a blessing. They come to Jesus because they want a promotion. They come to Jesus because they want um, some supernatural act. Some people, some of the crowd, they come to Jesus because they believe that Jesus is the son of David. And because Jesus is the son of David, he is going to rule and reign on the throne of David. So at one point, they actually tried to make Jesus the, the king of the nation, the, the king of Israel. And although that was the attitude of the crowd, the disciples, their expectation from Jesus was completely different. Their expectation from Jesus was that he would teach them. And that's exactly what he did for three and a half years. You know, just think about this. Jesus did not heal any of the disciples. Jesus did not 
bless any of the disciples. Even Peter, his financial breakthrough happened before he became a disciple, before he began following Jesus. It's after the multiplication anointing that he experienced with Jesus on the boat that he left everything and he followed Jesus. And after that, you don't see Jesus doing um, financial miracles of multiplication or you don't see Jesus doing healing or raising from the dead for the disciples. The primary thing that you see the disciples benefiting in their relationship with Jesus is that the disciples received teaching. The disciples valued that teaching. The disciples understood that teaching and the disciples responded to that teaching in a particular manner. And so my question to you is this. If you consider yourself as a disciple, if you consider yourself to be somebody that want to be a disciple first of Jesus and second of the one that Jesus has appointed on his stead. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament that God has appointed apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, um, and, uh, you know, all these varieties of leaders in the New Testament church. And God is, God is expecting us to be trained under them. God is expecting us to be taught under them. God is expecting us to submit to them. So my hope is that all of us, we will have that kind of an attitude towards that one person in your life that you would consider as your rabboni as your rabbi, one person who is uh, in God's stead, in, that, you've been, that person has been placed in your life as a representative of Jesus, as somebody who is going to bring the voice of Jesus, somebody who is going to amplify the voice of Jesus in your life. All of us need that. And if at any given point of time we feel that uh, I, I don't need a teacher, you know, or I don't need somebody to train me. I don't need somebody to mentor me. Then uh, I, I don't know why you would be on a virtual apostolic mentorship. The whole point of this mentorship is so you can receive mentorship, so you can receive teaching, training, and and because you value the leaders that God has placed over you and you're willing to submit to their teaching, value that teaching, and so it's very necessary that more than just being a part of this as a program, that you go beyond this to a place where now you, you want to um, go on a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with a mentor. One mentor, one leader. You don't have to have 10,000 mentors. But you need to have that one person in your life who can correct you and you would listen to that person. You don't have to please everybody in life. You know, the, if you try to please everybody in life, everybody will have hundreds of opinions. That's why you would see that when uh, Andrew, I think it was Andrew and who was the other guy? Uh, Andrew and Peter or Andrew and John, sorry. Andrew and John, they, they were primarily disciples of John the Baptist. So when they decided to become disciples of Jesus, they had to leave John the Baptist. They couldn't be mentored by John the Baptist and Jesus at the same time. Not because John the Baptist is a bad guy. Not because 
Jesus wanted them to be disconnected from, uh, you know, John the Baptist. But because it, it is not possible that you can be, uh, you know, under plural leadership at the same time. Paul said it like this. He said, you can have 10,000 teachers. You can have 10,000 counselors. You can have 10,000 people that give you information. But you can only have one father or you can only have one person who has that ultimate final say in your life. And Paul was telling the church at Corinth, I am that father in your life. I am that person that God has appointed to be a leader, to be a father, to be that voice in your life. So uh, Paul was actually commanding the church to obey certain things, to do certain things. And for that to happen, the church needed to value Apostle Paul as their father, as that one person, that unique Rabboni over their life who is now going to say things and they would have to um, accept, they would have to submit, they would have to yield to what Paul is teaching. So my first question to you tonight is this, do you have a Rabboni? Do you have a Rabbi? Do you have a leader that God has placed over your life? You know, this is not something that you choose for yourself. This is something that God chooses for you. Like, as physical children, you don't choose your parents, right? Your, your, your parents don't choose you either. It is, it is the Lord who places you in a family and it is the Lord who has given you to your parents. And the same thing works in the spirit realm. That God would divinely orchestrate for certain people to come into your life and you would suddenly realize, wait a minute, I'm not an orphan, I'm not without help, I'm not without teaching, I'm not trying to somehow figure out how to serve Jesus on my own. I have this one person that has been placed in my life as my rabboni, as my rabbi. And understanding, discerning who that person is and your willingness to walk closely behind that person to be taught. Let me take you to the scripture. This is Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Okay. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place and he was praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. What is he saying? Teach us to pray. Now, these disciples, they went to Jesus and they got Jesus to teach them certain things. It was not Jesus who took the initiative and said, okay, today I would like to teach you about prayer. But the disciples, they pursued their master. They pursued their leader. The funny thing is, most times disciples in our New Testament context, they don't go to their teacher saying, teach us how to pray. They go to their teacher saying, please pray for us. You pray for us. You uh, bless us. You, you know, uh, you help us make money. Uh, they, they don't go asking for teaching. And that is, I think, our biggest failure. The fact that we are not in a constant pursuit for teaching. We are not in a constant pursuit of learning. And because we are not constantly pursuing teaching from our rabbis, from, from the man or the woman that God has placed in our life, because we are not pursuing for that, because we are not looking for that, 
I feel that we are losing out on so much that that God uh, wants to give us, so much that God can teach us in this season. So if you really believe that you are a disciple or you want to be a disciple or that you want to grow and mature as a disciple, first, you need to identify who is your rabbi. Second, you need to pursue your rabbi. You need to pursue for teaching, not just for blessing, not just for anointing, not just for help, not just for breakthrough, but you need to pursue your rabbi so that you can be taught. You can be taught how to do life. You can be taught how to uh, do marriage. You can be taught how to do finances. You know, Apostle Paul, he himself wasn't married. And yet, he gave the most sound advice on marriage in the scripture. You know, he taught us in detail about marriage. So your rabbi may not know how to do business or he may not have done business. But you can go to your rabbi and ask for teaching on how to run your business. Your rabbi may not have children. But you can go to your rabbi and ask for advice on parenting. And they can teach you how to do parenting. So it's not necessary. Because this, this teaching, it is not out of experience. See, this is a biblical, a godly, a heavenly teaching that is coming down. It is not something that comes because, okay, I have 10 years of, uh, you know, teaching, uh, you know, parenting experience, 10 years of business experience, 10 years of financial management experience. So now learn from my experience. No, that's not how, you know, godly mentorship works. That's not how this discipleship works. This discipleship works based on how much you believe that your uh, disciple maker or your rabbi is given to you by God. If you believe that this person is given to you by God, everything that you need, every uh, you know, blessing, every principle, every learning, every teaching that you need, that has already been given to your rabbi. It has already been given to them. Now, to the extent that you are going to pursue them, to the extent that you are going to provoke them, to the extent that you are going to bring it out of them, you will receive that blessing or you will receive that favor or you will receive that teaching. You know the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha had already received the mantle of Elijah when Elijah came and put his mantle over him. And you know there was, it was a very dramatic encounter between Elijah and Elisha. And yet, Elisha didn't walk away saying, wow, I have the mantle. Now I can go and start my own Elisha International Ministries or Elisha Prophetic Ministries. He, he, he didn't immediately start off. Although he had the anointing, although he had the blessing, although he had the grace to now do his own life, he, he didn't do that. Instead, the Bible says, Elisha, he started following Elijah. He went everywhere that Elijah went and he started closely observing the lifestyle of his master. And there were things that Elijah wouldn't talk about in public. There are things that Elijah wouldn't do in public that he would talk in private. And one of those times of deep, constant pursuit, Elijah asked Elisha, what do you need me to do for you? Because my time is almost here. What do you really want from me? And you would see that Elisha said, I, I want a double portion of your spirit. 
Now that was a conversation, that was a relationship, that was something that Elisha could have never received if Elisha would have walked off after he got anointed, after he got the mantle. But because Elisha continued to pursue his rabbi, at one point he got access to a spiritual inheritance that he couldn't have accessed otherwise. So my question to you is, how much do you pursue your rabbi? How much do you provoke your rabbi to give you more information, more revelation, more teaching? Not just blessing, but more teaching. Because if we can get good teaching, we are set for life. A blessing can only sustain us in a, in a season of life, in, a, in one particular season of life. For example, if you have a blessing of money, you know that at some point or the other, that money is going to be immaterial. It's not going to work for you or it's going to run out or it's going to not be helpful. If you're, if you're looking for the blessing of people, uh, let's say marriage or children, they're all going to be there in your life only for a particular season. But if you get teaching, if you get revelation, if you get understanding, they are like pearls that is going to sustain you for eternity. All through eternity, these pearls will stand for you and will work for you and, and you will be able to, um, you know, do business with these pearls of revelation. You will be able to do, um, you know, teaching. You will be able to do ministry. You will be able to do marriage because you now have these pearls in your life. Jesus told us this amazing parable of a man who discovered that there is a pearl hidden in a ground. You know what this man did? The Bible says he went and sold everything that he had. <laughs> he, he, he sold his house, he sold his car, he sold his uh, you know, investments, his stocks, his, all his shares in all the company. He sold everything to go and buy that land that had the pearl hidden in it. Now, I, I, I don't think that's a good business idea to sell everything to buy a land that has one pearl in it. That doesn't make sense. But that's how you and I, we need to treat our pursuit of a revelation, of a teaching that G Jesus always considered uh, or compared teaching to pearls. That's why at one point he said, don't throw your pearls before pigs because they are going to trample all over it because they are not going to respect it. They are not going to receive it. He was not talking about money or blessing or, you know, uh, breakthrough or healing. He was talking about teaching. He was saying, don't teach people that are not going to receive it, that are not going to value it. And the same person taught us this parable of how this man would treat this pearl. He would sell everything in his life to just go and acquire that one field that had that one pearl. Now, I just pray that if we are serious as disciples, if we are serious to be the disciples of Jesus, that's how we will treat learning. That you would, if necessary, you know, log out early from work. If necessary, take a day off. If necessary, travel from one place to the other. If necessary, you give up on a business opportunity. Because you're, you're in pursuit of a particular teaching or a particular pearl that you know it's available in this location at this particular point. 
as you pursue this spur, as you pursue this teaching, I'm telling you, you once you have that pearl, once you have that teaching in, in your hand, I'm telling you, you, you will be the most successful person. That is why the ones that received healings, the ones that received um, dead being raised, the ones that received multiplication of uh, food, the ones that received cleansing from leprosy, all of these guys, we, we don't know the names of these guys. We don't know what happened to them. But we know the names of all the 12 guys who received teaching from their Rabboni, who received pearls from their Rabboni. And this is something that Jesus did always. I'll take you to the book of Mark chapter 4 and verse 34. It says, in fact, in his public ministry, in Jesus' public ministry, it says, he never taught without using parables. <laughs> he never taught without using riddles. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. So, you know, you know I want you to understand what is happening to the disciples. The, the whole three and a half years of their life, they are surrounded by crowds, they are surrounded by Pharisees with, with religious law givers and law teachers, all of those guys. And whenever Jesus is in public, he is always using parables. He is always using, using riddles. He is, he is a teacher to them too. He is a teacher to the masses. You know, we see Matthew 5, 6 and 7, Jesus is sitting on a mountain and he is teaching to thousands of people who are sitting and learning and receiving from Jesus. He is teaching to a lot of people. And yet, when he is teaching them, he is teaching them only in and through parables. But then, it says afterward, probably late in the night, probably those moments when they are traveling from one city to another, you know, there was a lot of in-between times, in-between meetings, you know. See, we, we glorify the meetings, right? We were like, wow, what an amazing meeting we had. What a great service we had. But the real discipleship did not happen in the great crowd-filled meetings. The real mentorship did not happen when there, were, uh, there was great anointing and people were being healed and bread was being multiplied. That's, that's not where the real discipleship happened. The real discipleship happened in that 10-minute break between meetings. The real discipleship happened between one city to the next, that in-between time, when there were no crowds, when there were no sound, no noise, when there were no distractions, when the disciples were alone with their rabbi. In those moments of just conversations, in those moments of just talking to each other, in those moments of asking questions from their master. And they would go and say, Jesus, we, we have no clue what you taught right there. You know, what were you talking about? How, how does this apply to us? You know, how can, how can this change our life? You know, if this is how marriage is supposed to be, then who can even get married? How, who, how can we even stay married? They would have questions like feedback questions to Jesus about what he taught in public. And the Bible says, when he's alone with his disciples, he explained everything in detail to them. So this required 
a certain level of uh, pursuit these disciples didn't run back home after the meeting is over these disciples were not in a hurry to you know just go go about with their own life these disciples were not in a hurry to just you know get rid of the church and just go on with life no these disciples they 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 just got hooked to their master for three and a half years i was just thinking this the other day peter he was a married man he had a wife he had a family and yet he left his family to just hang out with jesus for the three and a half years of his life on the earth afterwards peter traveled everywhere with his wife but when he was with jesus he he was alone he was alone with the other 11 disciples and that would have been a great sacrifice on his end and and i know that sometimes we may have to sacrifice on things that are very close to us things that are very dear to us because we are in pursuit of a pearl because we are in pursuit of a revelation because we are in pursuit of a rabbi we are in pursuit of a uh, a a person and a teaching that is going to come to us that is going to bring us information that is going to bring us revelation um and when we do that when we are willing to pay a price when we are willing to sacrifice then what is amazing see the bible says the crowds that followed jesus they were amazed at the authority that they had at at the, the the authority that the teaching of jesus had they were amazed they were like wow is is this really uh, a person who is teaching like compare him with the rest of the religious teachers i mean this guy is unique this guy is different they they were impressed by jesus but their lives were not transformed by jesus there were 12 who were not just impressed by Jesus they the 12 they're like okay Jesus now how do we do this how do we pray how do we talk to god how do we see the father show us the father how do we know what to do after you leave when do we know it's the right time when do we know that the kingdom of heaven is about to come all these questions that they would ask Jesus would now bring forth an explanation will bring forth an answer will bring forth a revelation which sustained them which became the foundation for the new testament church now the you know the problem with so many of us is is not that uh, we have um is not that we don't have uh, uh the problem with us is not that we don't have a rabbi the problem with us is not that we don't have good teaching around us the problem is that after we get the teaching when we see success because of that teaching or even outside of that teaching when we see breakthrough and blessing we somehow feel very great about us and and then we suddenly feel we are equal to our teacher we are now on the same level as our teacher now we are equals you know because uh, i can pray like you jesus i can prophesy like you i can heal the sick like you I, you know demons are cast out even in my prayer it's not only when you pray now we are the same now we are on the same level i mean don't ever think that uh, i mean that will never happen to me it happened in heaven where there was perfect environment perfect world there was a lucifer 
who rose up to think that man i am as good as you <laughs> i am i can you know if you read ezekiel chapter 28 you see the description about lucifer it says he there was an abundance in his trade and in his wealth and in his blessings that he experienced that he kind of thought that now i can elevate myself i can become great i can become powerful i can take god's place and when that happens to a disciple when we reach a place where you know the the teachings that we have been receiving from our rabbi it is producing results but now we elevate ourselves to a place where we think that uh, i know better than my rabbi that i i have uh, become equal to him or her or i have that that's a very dangerous place very dangerous place jesus said see my disciples you you are going to do greater works than what i have done you are you are going to heal more people than i have you are going to preach to more nations than i have you have you are going to bless more people there there's no doubt about it a disciple has to outwork his teacher he has to do more works than his teacher and yet a disciple is never greater in position than his teacher a disciple is never above his teacher this is the verse that i'm going to read out and and i hope that some of you can memorize this verse if you if you're really serious about mentorship if you're really serious about discipleship i hope that this word this verse will keep you grounded it will keep you rooted luke chapter 6 and verse 40 the bible says students are not greater than their teacher but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher one more time students are not greater than their teacher but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher this is jesus who is teaching his disciples and he's telling them guys you are going to do great things but you have to expect the same treatment that your master got because if they are going to disrespect me don't expect more respect than they gave me to come to you if they persecuted me don't expect less persecution if they called me belzebul the prince of demons don't think that they will call you any lesser names whatever they did to me they are going to do to you why because a disciple is not more in stature he's not greater than his rabbi he's not greater than his teacher this is something we have to get into our hearts today we have to remember this we have to know that we have to understand i am not bet i'm not i may i may earn more money than my teacher i may win more people to jesus than my teacher there may be more people in my church than in my pastor's church there may be more money coming into my business than in my mentor's business all of that is possible because jesus said my disciples they will do greater works than i do but i am never better or greater than my rabbi i'm not that's a sin i'm not willing to do in my life there were two disciples that jesus had 
who thought that they they are so well learned that they can now turn around to start teaching Jesus they thought oh Jesus missed it Jesus didn't get this correct let me teach Jesus you know we all do that right we think that oh my my pastor he is perfect but this one place uh, i i don't think he knows how to manage money you know i don't think he knows how to handle this kind of uh, people you know these these guys we, he has no idea what he has done in our church before this pastor came and then we, we are very prone to give correction to our teacher instead of receiving correction instead of receiving teaching and receiving help we 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 rise to that place where we are like ah now i need to correct i need to help i need to teach may that be a sin we will never commit in life may that be a mistake we will never do in life you you see how judas uh, in the bible uh, before he betrayed jesus he tried teaching jesus you know we we only highlight that point where he went and sold jesus but before he went to that point he tried to teach jesus let's read john chapter 12 and verse 4 it says but judas iscariot the disciple so it's it's highlighted there because he is a disciple i understand if a pharisee is doing this i understand if a sadducee is doing this somebody who is a religious law teacher all of those guys they they can speak whatever they want they can do whatever they want but how is it that a disciple is doing this hasn't this disciple walked with his master for the last 3 years doesn't he know his master's heart doesn't he know his master's desires doesn't he know how his master responds to broken hurting people doesn't he know his heartbeat doesn't he know his mind that's why john is highlighting the fact that judas iscariot the disciple who would soon betray him this is what he said this perfume was worth a year's wages <laughs> it should have been sold and the money given to the poor now in the past jesus has uh, loved people to give money to the poor you know the story of zacchaeus he uh, one encounter with jesus and zacchaeus gave 50% of his wealth off to poor people you know off to take care of the hungry and the needy so in the past jesus has done it now in this particular instance judas is saying jesus made the wrong choice here in accepting this woman's worship this is so big this is so huge that you know he's saying i i'm the treasure i know what money works i'm the guy who is keeping an account i'm the one taking care of all the poor people i'm the one paying all the bills so i know where this should have been spent better than jesus does does and and he began to give an instruction to jesus he began to give a, a better teaching to jesus he's like jesus you know this is not cool the funny thing is he's telling this to jesus in front of everybody in front of the whole he's not asking jesus for a question saying uh, is this the right usage of this money he's not asking with a doubt or uh, from a oh please teach me please teach me why or how why did you do this why did you he's that is not his question because there's another place where 
you know, the disciples didn't understand something and they came to Jesus and said, why did this not work for us? We also prayed and you also prayed. Our prayer didn't work and your prayer worked. What happened? What is the difference? That was a different thing. They were not accusing Jesus in that point. But here, Judas is correct. He was pointing fingers at Jesus and saying, wait, this, is, this was not the right way to use money. This money should have been sold. This perfume, it should have been sold and given to the poor people. We should not have used it. We should not have, uh, you know, um, received it. But there was a place that you know that Judas was not functioning as a disciple anymore. In his head, he had become equal to his master, where he is now thinking that as much as my master teaches me, I can also teach him back. I can also help him back. You know, there were several times when I've had this... Uh, question or I've been asked by people close to me saying, what would happen to you? How, how would you respond if you see that your mentor is wrong or your mentor is uh, faulty or he's doing something that that is, uh, that is uh, not what you wanted him to do? And my immediate flesh response was, okay, then I will walk away. You know, if that person does something that is wrong, I will walk away. But, but then I realized that most of the disciples of Jesus, they had the same issue. They always questioned why Jesus did what he did. They always didn't understand what Jesus was doing. But they had to hang out with Jesus long enough till they got answers to all their questions. Instead of accusing Jesus, saying, you're not managing money correctly. Instead of saying, Jesus, you, you don't know how to do these things. They had to just hang out with Jesus long enough to know that there was a prophetic significance to everything that Jesus spoke, everything that Jesus did. And in this place, that's the mistake that Judas did. Instead of hanging out with Jesus long enough to understand what Jesus was trying to do here, he just tried teaching Jesus. And you know how the story ended in John chapter 13 and verse 27. It says, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. <laughs> hurry and do what you're going to do. Jesus released this disciple. Like he was in this intimate movement with his disciples. John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 happened during this time. Jesus is teaching them very deep revelations. But at one point, Jesus looked at Judas and Jesus realized that Satan has entered into him. So Jesus released him. Jesus said, okay, why don't you leave? Why don't you go and do what you're going to do? Now, Please understand my heart here. If your pastor has to tell you, or if your mentor has to tell you, okay, if that's, that's really what you want to do, please go and do it. <laughs> that's not always a blessing. That's not always a permission to go and do what you want to do. Uh, it, it is not, you know, he still had opportunity to repent here. He, he knew, you, you, you understand this, G, this guy had been in his 
head, he had been rebelling against Jesus in his head. Before he practically actually sold Jesus out, in his head he has been saying, no, 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 Jesus is not doing this right. Jesus is not saying this right. And finally, it, it brought him to a place where he began to, um, you know, become, he became so distant with Jesus. There was such a vacuum between him and his rabbi that it says, Satan entered into him. Satan entered. Satan had access into him. And then Jesus said, okay, I know what you want to do. Go ahead and do what you're going to do. Now, is that the only response that, that we could have had? Is that the only thing that Judas could have done? Because you see, the exact same thing, the exact same mistake Peter made. Do you know what Peter did, right? Let, let's read about what Peter did, okay? It says in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 22, it says, but Peter took him aside. Whom? Jesus. Peter took Jesus aside. Judas corrected Jesus in front of everybody, but Peter corrected Jesus privately. That's no better. Just because you are correcting your teacher in private and not in public, that doesn't mean that that is not wrong. But Peter, it says, but Peter, he took him aside and the verse says, and he began to reprimand him. Peter is reprimanding his teacher. And he says, and, and he says don't say such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. <laughs> Peter is telling Jesus, no, you've got the wrong theology. No, you've, you've got your prophecy a little wrong. Um, that, that will not happen. That should not happen. Peter is correcting Jesus. I'm telling you, may we never be found making these mistakes. Then Jesus turned to Peter. Okay, this is where it is interesting. It says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. Do you see this? Do you see the parallel? In the same way that Satan entered Judas, the same way Satan had entered Peter. It's the same thing. Because when Jesus looked at Judas, Jesus saw Satan. When Jesus looked at Peter, Jesus saw Satan. Because Satan is the mastermind at rebelling against his rabbi, against his master. So if anybody is now going to bring forth an attitude of rebellion, an attitude of no honor, an attitude of no submission, that person need, is functioning in the spirit of Satan. Now this guy can be the next greatest apostle of the church, like Peter was, but... At that one point of time, he was acting as Satan. That's why Jesus looked at him in the eye and said, Get behind me. Get away from me. Disconnect from me, Satan. Now, this is the thing. Jesus told Peter to get away, you know, to, to you know, disconnect from me. Judas, when Jesus told Judas to go away, what did Judas do? Thank you, Jesus. He took his back, you know, received... Uh, gave a nice shake hand, a nice hug and all, and he left. But Peter, Jesus told Peter the exact same thing. Have you thought about this? Peter didn't leave. Peter stayed with Jesus, even after Jesus said, get away. Even after Jesus said, disconnect from me. Just go and do whatever you want to do. Just, you know, don't stay along with me right now. This is not where I'm heading. 
Jesus very clearly, explicitly told Peter to leave. And yet, Peter did not leave. Now that is the mark of a disciple that honors his teacher and that is willing to submit to his teacher. That Elisha, multiple times Elijah told Elisha, please stay here, don't come with me. I, I don't want you to go to the next town. But Elisha said, no, no, there's no way I'm not following you. Wherever you go, I will go. If people throw stones at you, I should be the first one to receive those stones. You know, if whatever it be, I am going to be there with you. Peter, Peter was that one man. He, he, he made terrible mistakes. And yet, when Jesus corrected him, he did not leave. Jesus called him Satan. At least to Judas, Jesus didn't call him Satan. He didn't say, Satan, go and do what you want to do. But to Peter, Jesus called him Satan. Jesus said, man, you are a Satan. Your words are satanic. Your attitude is satanic. This is not godly. And yet, Peter, he might not have understood the theology behind, behind what Jesus said, but he continued to hang out with Jesus till he got a better revelation of why Jesus said what he said. He, he kept pursuing. He, he was the one guy out of the remaining 11 who kept going after Jesus even when he was arrested. From a distance, he kept following Jesus all the way, all the way to the uh, house of the high priest. He kept following Jesus because he needed a revelation of what his master said. He needed to understand. And finally, when he got his revelation, he came back crying. He came back hurt. He, he came back fully broken. Now, that is how a disciple handles teaching. That has to be a, the response that a disciple has towards his teacher. You know, and may, may, we, may we not be sent out by our master, by our teacher, because there is a difference of opinion. You know, when you have a difference of opinion with your teacher, that is when you have to cling to your teacher all the more. When you have a difference of understanding with your teacher, that is when you have to stay with your teacher all the more. When you, there is going to come a point when your teacher is so satisfied. You know, you would see this with Jesus and the disciples, okay? This happened in John chapter 20 and verse 21. Uh, Jesus uh, tells the disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now, this is a moment of release. Jesus is releasing his disciples. Jesus is saying, now you no longer need to stay with me. Now I'm sending you out. I'm releasing you. In the same way that I got sent, now I am sending you out. They were graduating from Jesus' teaching school in this particular verse. This is their graduation message from Jesus. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. I hope that we will have the humility to wait to stay rooted, to stay committed till this moment reaches, till you reach this moment in your relationship with your mentors, in your relationship with your teachers and your leaders. Because any time before that, if you say yes to your teacher saying, okay, go away, you're making a fatal mistake. Because if, you, if your teacher is sending you away because of a difference of opinion, if your teacher is sending you away because now you're trying to teach him, now you are not agreeing with him. That is a very dangerous place. We, we, 
you know this this guy may let's let's say for for the sake of uh, our conversation that probably this guy may have a wrong doctrine or have a issue with some area you know i i'm not his teacher i'm not the one giving an account to god for him there is somebody else who will keep a watch over him there is somebody else who will teach him train him keep him accountable that's not my job my job is never to teach a disciple is never greater than his teacher a disciple's job is to remain rooted remain submissive till his teacher says okay now you're done now you've become like me now i'm sending you out now jesus told the disciples in matthew chapter 28 and verse 20 said now you go and you also make new disciples and teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments that i have given you now this is going to be the the transfer this is going to be how the lineage will work now you've been taught by me you've been helped by me now you go and teach you go make more disciples and now now you go and teach them you go and help them you go and reveal what i have revealed to you to them and then paul would say this in first corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 what did he say he said now you should imitate me you should follow me he's telling the church at corinth he's saying now you should imitate me just as i imitate christ the same way that paul had a relationship with jesus now paul is saying the the same way you need to have a relationship with me you need to walk closely with me you need to uh, have a uh, uh, the right attitude the right heart towards me in the same way that i have the heart and the attitude towards jesus because paul knew that if you reject me man you are making a fatal mistake if you try to fight me that is a fatal mistake because i have been placed by god to be that one person to teach you i'm not god in your life i'm not lord i'm not the one who is going to um, take you to heaven but i'm the one that god has appointed to teach you to be your rabbi if you are going to be my disciple i am going to be your rabbi so you need to imitate me just as i imitate christ we would see uh, in more detail in hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7 how we should respect how we should respond to our teachers it says in hebrews 13:7 remember your leaders who taught you the word of god think of all the good that has come from their life and follow the example of their faith going on in verse 17 it says obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say because their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to god give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow because that would certainly not be for your benefit what does it say it says if you give them reasons to do this with sorrow and not with joy what is their job their job is to watch over you their job is to teach you their job is to reveal god to you but if you make it a pain for them if you make it hard for them then that will not be for your benefit on the contrary if you would do it in certain way if you would respond to your leaders in certain way that you bring joy to them 
the way that you submit to them you bring joy the way that you love them honor them celebrate them listen to them listen to what they are teaching you that that brings them joy that will be for your benefit the contrary will never be for your benefit okay this is uh, this very vast topic i can talk on this all evening but i'm going to stop here and i'm going to pray with all of you and after that if you have any questions i know that we've almost run out of time but if you have any questions you can ask and i can probably take one or two questions before we finish let's pray father we thank you for your grace that helps us your grace that enables us to um understand the value of teaching and i pray over each and every one of your dear children right now all of your children that are receiving this teaching from me lord we we pray that these teachings will be like pearls that will be deposited into their hearts pearls that will stay in their spirit pearls that is now going to reproduce and bring results for generations to come pearls that are going to bring forth the light of god bring forth the answers of god for their home for their children for their careers for their businesses i pray that this revelation will will be such that they will not just change in their relationship to their rabbis but they will change in their relationship to you their perspective on 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 their pursuit of teaching and wisdom and and information that you want to give them that hunger will be heightened after tonight that pursuit will be heightened we'll be willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes to be a a disciple that honors teaching a disciple that loves their teachers a disciple that loves to hear from their rabbis a disciple that pursues their rabbi i pray that you would release this grace upon each and every one of your children that are receiving this prayer in jesus mighty name we pray amen